0: I want to welcome all of those that are joining us at our physical locations, those that are joining us online. I want to welcome you to the third week of our series entitled Comeback Stories. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Man, we're excited to have you guys. So, so excited. We are in a series. uh, It's a five-week series. We'll be going through Labor Day weekend uh, on Comeback Stories. You know, there's something on the inside of us. There's something on the inside of every single one of us that we like to see a comeback. Now, whether you like sports or not is irrelevant. but, but, But when you're watching sports and when you're watching other things and you see somebody down, again, the analogy that we're using, the picture of boxing where somebody's on the ropes. In other words, they're about to be over. And boy, they come back. Even if you're not for that person, there's something on the inside of us. We just like a comeback. I think about all the different stories, whether it's biographies or autobiographies, of people that I've read it, and maybe that you've read. And, and you feel like, man, the, the the there are insurmountable odds that they were facing. And boy, I maybe mean, it was the eleventh hour. It was the fourth quarter, and, and they made a comeback. I want to talk to you about out of the scripture about different men and women this month. And then, by the way, I want to say this for all of our campuses, those on our online audience, we are so excited as well. After Labor Day, I'm going to be teaching through the book of Daniel. How many of y'all are excited about that? Really fired up about that. But this month, this month, we're going to be going through and continue. Week one, we talked about Jonah. Last week, Pastor Dave DeGarmo, a fantastic job. I watched it. I was out of town. I watched it online about the prodigal son today. Today I want to talk to you about another biblical character that needed a comeback. It's interesting years ago and Church of the King is 20 years old and Planted the church 20 years ago, and it's interesting when I begin to think about all the different conversations I've had with people over the years. I'll never forget this one statement, this one particular statement this individual told me. Here's what he said. He said, he said, Pastor, man, I, I just, and I've said this to you guys many times, but it's appropriate right now. He goes, Pastor, I just wish, I don't know, I just wish that I was in the Bible. Not like being Jesus. I mean, that's the obvious. He goes, I just wish that I was in the Bible. He because, because, man, it just would have been so cool living back then. I want everybody to say good. Come on, say good. Say bad. Say ugly. Okay, let me just say this. How would you like for 2,000 or up to 3,500 years having a book written about where God shows the good of your life, the bad of your life, and the ugly? How many of y'all want to be in the Bible? I don't want to be in the Bible. Are you kidding me? Of course we're dealing with phones now right so I mean we didn't deal with that when we were kids right 30 years ago now I mean people can capture the good the bad and the ugly well the reality is the bible captures the good the bad and the ugly. let me give you an example Noah you think about Noah Noah's a preacher of righteousness a great man of God right and he was well, you guys may or may not know this. If you read your whole Bible, you would know this. You, you guys remember when he came out of the ark? Remember Noah and the ark and all that? How did he get those animals in that thing? Well, guess what he did when he got out of the ark? Guess what he did? He got so drunk. His, he was naked. I mean, it was just, I mean, you know, that's like pretty radical. And his kids came up like, man, should we cover him? What should we do? I mean, you know, he was a preacher of righteousness, but he had some faults. How about this one? Jonah, you guys remember Jonah? I talked about him a couple weeks ago. Ran from God. How about this one, Father Abraham? Now, we didn't do vacation Bible school this summer, so I just think it'd be appropriate, you know, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had, are y'all with me or not? (laughs) This is called a participation thing here. Okay, Father Abraham, the father of our faith. You guys remember that? Let's just be honest. Everybody say good, bad, ugly. Well, guess what? He had a lying problem. Father Abraham, read about it in the Bible, not once, not twice. The guy had a lying problem, and yet God called him the father of our faith. How about David? Oh, man, David had some issues. Oh, man, do we even have to unpack that? Bathsheba, Uriah. I mean, come on, man. I mean, dude, I mean there, was some, there was a lot going on there. How about Martha? She was a warrior. The disciples, they all forsook Jesus except John. How about Samson? We're going to be talking about him. You remember him? Jonah ran from God. You know, it's interesting. This week I read something about kind of the environment that we're in, not only globally, but specific to our nation. And I read a statistic this week about the percentage of people that are dealing with suicidal thoughts. By the way, uh, in July, last month, I talked about overcoming depression and how to deal with mental health issues. And so that was, uh, I'm not a doctor, but I did go to the scripture. But, But remember we spoke about a particular individual, the great man of God, Elijah. He had suicidal thoughts. Great man of God, and yet he struggled. How about Paul the Apostle? Murder of the church, persecutor of the church, tried to kill the infant church. And yet he later wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Let me just ask you a question. How many of y'all feeling better about yourself right now? Anybody feeling better about yourself? Just think about that. All of these people had one thing in common. They needed a comeback. They needed, listen, they needed God to step into their life and to breathe life into them, to cleanse them, to, to, to heal them, to forgive them, and to give them another shot. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Luke. Luke chapter 22. I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you today about a particular New Testament character that I love, Peter. Because the reality is, is that what I love about the scripture is that God is not scared to show us. He's not scared. He's not freaked out. All right. He's not trying to hide All right. the stories of the men and women in the Bible. I'm going to talk about a lady I see the next week or the following. How to deal with loss. Somebody that dealt with extreme loss and, 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 and how it was almost her moment where she almost gave up and yet God empowered her in her comeback. The reality is that when we look in the scripture we see people whether number one through sin they experience failure or sometimes through circumstances. Sometimes our, our, our failure is not because of a, a sin. It's not because of something that we did. Maybe it was a, a business venture that you started out on and you didn't assess maybe the market trends or something happened or there was a downturn and, and you really went for it. And so you've experienced failure. Here's what I found out about failure. I want everybody to hear me at all of our campuses. Whether you experience failure because of sin or whether you experience failure because of circumstances, the fallout emotionally based upon that disappointment can be equally impacting if we don't know how to deal with it. We've got to learn how to deal with it. Matter of fact, I can tell you people in my life that I got saved with, that I gave my heart to Christ with. Listen, and we were fired up walking with God together. And I'm going to tell you, I don't even know where some of them are today. And it all goes back. Listen to me. I want everybody to hear me. It all goes back with how you deal with failure. How you deal with failure, listen, it could be a tombstone right there. What happened? They failed. They didn't appropriate the grace of God. They, they walked in self-rejection, condemnation, and they never moved on. Or it could be an opportunity to learn, to grow, to press deeper into God. It can be a stepping stone into a brighter tomorrow. That's not a slogan. That's a reality. And I think one of the greatest people in all the Bible that experienced the height of God's provision and God's blessing God use him in great ways is the apostle Peter and yet he also experienced he also experienced tremendous failure he was the guy Peter he was the guy that that when they were in Caesarea Philippi and I, I've been to that region in Israel in the northern Galilee region and he, he was the one when Jesus came into town and he, and he and he asked his disciples he was doing a a little uh, um, kind of an editorial quiz hey guys hey guys I'm going to ask you a question. Who, who do people say that I am? Is that, do people have it right out there? And, and, and he goes, well, one says this, one says John the Baptist. Who, well, who do, y'all say, who do y'all say that I am? And Peter, it was Peter that says, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. Oh, man, Peter, Jesus looks up and says, oh, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter. In other words, Peter, boom, you hit a home run, man. Moments later. Jesus says, let's go to Jerusalem. My time is gone. Peter goes, nah, you don't have to worry about that cross thing. Jesus looks at Peter and goes, get behind me, Satan. How I many you know that's interesting? One moment he's hitting a home run. Next moment he's striking out. That's Peter's life. I like Peter, by the way. I can relate to Peter. There's something about the power of that man. And by the way, let me tell you something about Peter, different from the other disciples. And you may have not ever thought about this before. You know the disciples had different professions. You guys realize that Matthew, he was an accountant. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Tax collector accountant, he's a smart. And I know we got a lot of accounts in church. I'll say this respectfully. But you know, just as a different personality. Peter's a fisherman, rough. He's got calloused hands. He's just kind of just just br- he's just he's just a rough dude. You guys have ever heard that term before? Man's man. Y'all y'all have heard that before, right? That that's who Peter is. All right. I mean, he was a guy. He's throwing cast nets. He's got all this stuff. Peter, there's something about Peter. M- matter of fact. The Garden of Gethsemane. Y'all remember the Garden of Gethsemane? The night when Jesus was betrayed. Jesus brings Peter, James, and John. He tells Peter, James, and John, Hey, guys, I want you guys to hang out. I want y'all to pray. And that's when Jesus, remember, when he kneels down? And he comes. And i got to be careful. I'm 51. That, was, that took a little to... I'm thinking, i got to contemplate that when I was 30. I'm just jumping back up before you know, And I was like, do I really want to do this? All right, here we go. So, so, so... So, do you guys remember that when Peter, when he's praying um, when Jesus is praying, if it be thy will, oh God, if there's let this cup pass for me. And do you remember all of a sudden? This is Peter. All of a sudden, here come in the Roman soldiers. What are they doing? They're with Judas. What are they doing? I'll tell you what they're doing. Judas had sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, and, and all of a sudden, these Roman soldiers come in. This is Peter. All right, watch this. And Peter, he's like, Hey! And he runs up there. Now, 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 I know what John wanted to do. Let's just pray for them, brothers, you know. And you know what Peter did? He didn't go that He went, You're not taking Jesus. He goes, grabs the Roman soldier's sword and goes, and Tries to cut the guy's head off. In the name of Jesus, of course. <laughs> the guy turns, the guy's ear comes off. Jesus looks at Peter and goes, Peter, you didn't learn that from me. What are you doing? Peter goes, I'm going to kill this guy. And so what does Jesus do? He turns around, he picks up the guy's ear, puts it back on. Stop that, Peter. (laughs) Now, now why why is that so funny? Why is that so funny? That's Peter. Peter's that guy. Impulsive, emotional. And yet, nothing, nothing compares to what happens moments after that. Of course, you guys know that Israel at the time was controlled by Roman Empire. So Jesus, a lot of people don't realize this. There was multiple trials that Jesus went through that night. It wasn't just one. There was a trial before the Jewish Ruling council, Caiaphas, that was actually the first one. And then remember Pontius Pilate, why? Because there was Jewish law, then there's Roman law. Well, the very first place that Jesus was brought is he was brought to Caiaphas's house. And the Bible says that Peter followed at the distance. Now, you got to remember, tough guy, fisherman, man's man, powerful, cutting people's ears off with swords. I'm going to stand up for God. I'm never going to deny you. And yet, hours after that, maybe an hour, The Bible picks up in Luke chapter 22. This this is so interesting when you understand the context and the personality and the pressure of what's going on. Luke chapter 22, verse 54. The Bible says, having arrested him, that's Jesus. So this would be Thursday night. Earlier in that night, Last Supper, Garden of Gethsemane, I don't know the exact time. Later that night, Thursday night, Good Friday, the next morning, Jesus being crucified. So, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, Thursday night, right? And The Bible says, after, after having arrested him, they led him and brought him to the high priest's house. The very first trial was with the Jewish ruling council, the Jewish council, in Caiaphas. But Peter followed at a distance. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, Hey, 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 this man was also with him. Think about this for a moment. He's a fisherman, tough guy, cutting off Roman soldiers' ears. And now he's getting ready to deny Jesus to a peasant girl. Just think about this for a moment. Woman, I don't don't know what you're talking about. I, I I don't know that guy. After a little while, another saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I'm not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. And the Bible says immediately. Everyone say immediately. Oh, man, immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Jesus talked about this. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter remember the word of the Lord, how he had said before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. It's interesting. I have a 10-year-old daughter and and, uh, we were out of town last week and she looked at me. And I don't know, she's kind of picked this up lately. She's doing this thing lately to me. She's like, look right here, dad. Look right here. Jesus had a look right here moment with Peter. Look right here, Peter. Peter, after Peter denied Jesus. Peter, in a million years, never would have thought he'd have done that. I remember uh, as a young Christian, on fire for the Lord, going to a Bible study, and I don't know if I'd been, maybe it was four, five, six months, I would young Christian, and I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I remember that night, I mean, I got into this, sin, and it was just horrific. I couldn't believe, as a matter of fact, I was shocked. I was like, why did I do that? Why did I go back into that? Why did I take part in that? And I remember that night. Oh, by the way, the devil's a master. He waits for moments like that. You know the enemy doesn't play fair. He tempts you to do those things, then condemns you for doing them. You know how that works, right? And I remember that night walking away and just thinking, man, I had just failed. And it was just, I felt so dirty and I thought oh God why did I do that why did I go back to that maybe maybe that's maybe that's where you are maybe you came to this series because you heard that that pastor Steve and church of the king that they're talking about comeback stories and maybe in your life maybe in your life you need a comeback. maybe it's not a sin issue. Maybe it was just circumstances. And you, you, the pressures of life came on you because of what's going on in our culture. The, 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 all of the different things from, from all of it, whether it's medically or economically or societally. And, and you've been impacted. And, and, and you've maybe compromised your, your, your faith. You've compromised your decisions. What Something's happened. And you thought, I never dreamed I would have done that. That's Peter. That's Peter. You never dreamed that you'd cross the line. You never dreamed that that would have happened to you. Peter. Peter crossed the line. Never in a million years. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe even as you're listening to me, you're thinking about back in your life. You're thinking about those times. And and it's so critical at that moment because, because when you and I fail, what do we do? I'm telling you right now, and I appeal to every single person, every one of our campuses, it's, it's how you respond in that moment. You, you, can, you can either go into a deep, shameful, I'm no good, I'll never, let me just say, I want everybody to hear me. You are not, the, the sum total of your life is not based upon a mistake in your past. There's a difference of making a mistake versus, listen, there's a difference between failure as a choice versus failure as a person. There's no such thing as a failure as a person. You failed. You made a wrong choice. You made a wrong decision. That doesn't define who you are. Are you with me? That doesn't define who Peter is. That didn't define who I am, who I was. Oh, the devil. Let me tell you, Steve, you're not really a Christian. You're not really different. You've not changed. Oh, gosh. Number one is the fall. Look at the focus. The Bible says in verse 62. Boy, this is so important that we get this, guys. I cannot tell you. I've walked with Jesus over 30 years, man. I'm telling you how you deal with failure will largely determine if you walk confidently into your future. I'm telling you. The Bible says in verse 62, so Peter went out. Listen, he went out and he wept bitterly. Wow. The Bible talks about tears of remorse, tears of repentance, but it also talks about tears of bitterness. And there's a difference. One becomes tears of repentance is when you realize you've sinned against God. Tears of bitterness is when you realize the lost opportunity that you have, what, what, what you could have become. But, and and, and there's, a, there's an inverted nature to bitterness, the whole concept of bitterness. I, I wrote this down. There's an interesting choice of words here. Peter went out and he wept bitterly. It's often when we, when we fail that we get bitter with God. We get bitter with life. What happened to me? Why did this happen? You ever send somebody, listen, by the way, the Bible talks about out of the abundance of the heart, the what, the mouth speaks. You can hear it. The victimization. They get mad at God and by the way, here, let me tell you about bitterness. Bitterness is a garbage collector. The more that truck goes down the street, the more garbage, the more bitter your spirit is, the more bitter it becomes. And, it's a gar- and it collects more and more and more. And by the way, it finds other bitter people. Have you ever noticed that? It finds other things. And P- Peter's in a very dangerous position right here. Very dangerous. I want everybody to say hurt. Say hurt. Unforgiveness. Bitterness. Here's the bottom line. The Bible says all of us are going to experience hurt. How, how we deal with hurt largely determines whether it goes into unforgiveness. And it definitely determines whether or not it progresses to bitterness. Bitterness is the ultimate. It's the ultimate self-rejection. It's the ultimate rejection towards God and life itself. Life's not dealt me a fair deck of cards. God is not a good God. That's where that ends up. Hurt. Listen, all of us get hurt. But we need the biblical skills to deal with hurt so it doesn't progress. So it doesn't go into, I don't forgive you, God. I don't forgive that person. I don't forgive myself. Wow. Peter is right there, guys. I want to say it again. How you deal with failure largely determines whether or not you confidently walk into your future. Hurt happens, but we've got to deal with it at the hurt level so it doesn't progress beyond that. Yes. Yes. Peter was contemplating, is, is the mountain of my failure greater than the mountain of God's mercy and grace? In other words, what's just bigger? Is, is that a bigger, is that Mount Everest? Is my failure the, the tallest peak in the world? Or, or is that where God's grace is? In other words, God's grace is bigger than, than my failure. That's where Peter was. I tell you what's really interesting about this. Matter of fact, Peter, Peter went back to his profession Before he was an apostle, he went back to, I'll tell you what he did, he went back to fishing. Why is that? Because he felt like, watch this, he felt like because of his failure, he was no longer qualified to walk with the group. Can I say this? I want everybody to watch me. Please don't let your failure cause you to walk away from church, walk away from godly relationships, walk away from your small group. When you mess up, you shouldn't run away from God and the people of God. You should run to God. You should run to your small group. You should run to church. That's where the help should be coming from. Let me tell you something. Peter, isolated. When you start isolating, I'm telling you, it's a key. There's something happening in your soul. Something's happening. Peter, he isolated. He went back to what he was. It's called the tyranny of the familiar. There's a tyrannical nature to doing what's familiar. Because he, 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 was, he was so concerned. Oh, gosh, What are all the other apostles? What are all the other disciples going to say about me? And, and the pain and the fear. Don't miss this. The fear of the rejection of what they were going to say about him caused him to isolate himself. I want to help everybody out. You know what happens when we fail? We mess up. We walk in Durham. What is everybody thinking about me? I know everybody knows about it. Everybody, let me just tell everybody. I say this respectfully. I'm your pastor. I'm your friend. Listen to me very closely. People aren't thinking about you that much. I don't mean to be mean, they're not thinking about me either. In other words, they're actually thinking about themselves. Let me tell you, when they walk into the room, they're not thinking about you because they're walking into the room, they're actually thinking about themselves and their kids and their relationship. So in other words, not everybody's thinking about one another. People are thinking about themselves. So don't worry about it. Are you with me? I like when one preacher says, What other people think about you is none of your business. Isn't that good, preaching? The fact is that Peter, yeah, Peter, isolated. That's John over there. I mean, John never sins. He lays his head on the breast of Jesus. Great for you, John. <laughs> and Nathaniel, the one without guile. How I mean, you know Jesus doesn't rel- Jesus doesn't relate to us based upon our past action. He didn't. Know- oh, okay. Here it is. What does Jesus do? When he sees Peter. Now watch what happens. That night. The betrayal. The betrayal watch us. So there's the Jewish. There's the Jewish trial. Of course. Guilty there. And then, the, and then Pontius Pilate. Guilty. And the whole thing. Boom. The, cross, the crucifixion begins. Do you know after Jesus is crucified three days later. The Bible says he's raised from the dead. Watch this. He, he's on the earth for 40 days in his resurrected body. Guess who he shows up to go see? His good friend Peter. Peter had gone back fishing. Matter of fact, John chapter 21, Peter doesn't realize this. He's down there cooking some fish. And at first, Jesus, Peter doesn't even realize who he's having a conversation with. It's actually Jesus. I've been to Capernaum. It's a northern Galilean region. It's a a sea area. It's a lot of fishing, of course, around the Sea of Galilee. Watch what happens here. Notice what I said. How you deal with failure will largely determine how you confidently walk into your future. Watch this. John chapter 21. So when he had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? That's the first conversation. Notice what he didn't say. Hello. Good to see you, you denier. (laughs) Boy, we like to do that sometimes, don't we? We want to label people based upon their past decisions. Are you all with me? Jesus doesn't walk up to Thomas. Ha, good to see you, Mr. Doubter. And he doesn't talk to Peter, Mr. Denier. No, he actually does just the opposite. Peter was self-absorbed in his own shame because of his poor decision. And watch what Jesus does. By the way, he's a master pastor and he's a master counselor. How do I know that? Isaiah 9, wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father. Watch what he's doing. This is high-level professional counseling. All right, watch what he's doing. So when he had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, all right, then feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Okay. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, well, then tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, watch this, Lord you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, "Feed my sheep." What was Jesus doing? I tell you what he was doing. Jesus was bringing Peter back to watch us taking Peter's eyes off of Peter and getting Peter's eyes on Peter's purpose outside himself. Don't let your fa- listen. Don't let a failure determine your future. You cannot allow that. He was saying, "Peter, look, I love you. I'm for you." Your life's not over. You've got, a, you've got a future. In other words, get back to being an apostle. Get back to being an apostle. All right, before I close, I'm going to give you guys three, three ways to have a fresh start in God. You guys ready for this? Come on. How many of y'all are ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't want to die in shame. I don't want to die in bitterness. I don't want to be a garbage collector. I don't want to walk in a room and feel tormented. No, I want to live free. I want to live powerful in God. How do I do that, Pastor? Number one, I've got to return to God and confess my sin. I want everybody to hear me. This is so important what I'm about to say. If you, if you, if you committed a sin, confess it as sin. Don't call it a mistake. I think we have a problem in our culture... God can't heal what you won't confess. A mistake is missing a left. It's a U-turn. I should have got off here. Oh, gosh, I got to go to the next. It's a mistake. It's not a sin. It's a mistake. But you can't be forgiven for a sin unless you confess it. Lord, a sin is when we transgress the law of God against God himself. Are you with me? And by the way, against other people as well. If you sin against somebody else, let's go make it Right? Let's go meet with them. Let's go write an email. Let's go make a call. Let's go do whatever we got to do. Why? Because there's something about that. First John 1, 9. God is faithful and just. If we confess. Everyone say confess. Okay, watch this. It's ownership. Ownership. The word confession actually in the Greek New Testament. It means homo, which means same. Legale, word. Same word. In other words, when I confess my sin, I'm agreeing with God that was sin. God get it off of my life. That's what I'm doing. If I confess my sin, God is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me. Listen, we got to humble ourselves before God. We got to get rid of that, but how we get rid of it is we got to own it. We got to own it. We got to own it. I've I've had to own so many things in my life. My gosh, I've become a professional repenter in situations. And I'm I'm realizing this. I'm telling you, if you'll just own it, everyone say, own it. And you got to humble yourself to own it. Just own it. Own it. What is it really costing you besides a little pride? Just own it. By the way, you ought to read First and Second Peter. It's a beautiful book. Listen, it's a beautiful book, and it's written. We believe in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, inspiring Scripture, but it's a beautiful book of Peter talking about what God did in his life. It's a beautiful book. Letters in the New Testament. Number one, we've got to own it. Number two, we've got to learn to live. So everyone say, own it. Now, number two, we've got to learn to live renewed in God's love. Stay with me. I've got two more. Christ's love renews us and cleanses us and covers us. There's no hesitation by Jesus in accepting Peter among his followers. Please do not reject people. Please, if they, listen, the, when people need you is when they're low. It's when They always need you, but, 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 but let's be a graceful people. It's not this, I'm not making, giving license for sin. What I am saying is that we all falter and fail at times. Let's let's help them. Let's encourage them. Get them connected with God. And and let's help make sure they stay connected with the body of Christ. Peter Peter needed to live with the confidence that he's still loved by God. That he wasn't going to be reminded of his past that he was the denier of Jesus. No, that he was the royal priesthood. That's why Peter said, 1 Peter 2, 9, I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a chosen generation. Come on, are y'all with me? He, he, he had to be reminded of what he was, not what he wasn't. He needed to be reminded of what God called him, not what his mistake was. Not that he was a denier. No, you're a man of God, Peter. Can I tell you something? When we learn to live in the love of God, you know what the love of God is? The love of God is God loves us in spite of us. By the way, let me tell you what human love is. Here's what human love is. I love you if. I'll love you if you do this. love you if you do this. I love you if you provide i love you if you do i will not love you if you do not do this. In other words, it's, 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 it's I'll love you based upon something you do. I will love you, but you've got to do something. Can I tell you what God's love is? I love you just because. I love you independent of your performance. And that, that's, a, that's a tricky balance with human beings, with their children, right? We love you. We, we, we're committed to you. That's God. And we're imperfect and we fail. I know I do. But God doesn't. God loves you, and Peter had to know that he knew. Listen, because it was almost like, "Oh God, are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna love me? Are or, or God, are you gonna reject me? I'm 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 what I'm 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 loved by God. Do you know where self acceptance or self rejection come in? Self acceptance is largely based upon your ability to receive love from God and other people. Did you know that? That's where self-rejection self comes in when somebody perceives that they are, quote, unlovable, and they're not worthy to be loved. Let, let me give you an example of how this works real quick. Do you, you know when sometimes you're going through a hard day? And by the way, the proclivity of our human nature is to reject human love. That, that's our fundamental nature is to reject, particularly when we don't perform well. Example. You blow it. and Somebody you love, maybe a spouse or whatever, you know, a family member comes up to you and says, hey, listen, man, it's okay. You're like, I don't want to talk to you. Why don't you want to talk to them? They try to put their arm around. No, 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 no. What are you doing? You're trying to pay for your own failure. Does that make sense? So self-acceptance comes when we learn to s- accept the love of God. God loves us. God's for us. God's not against us. How many are grateful for God's love? Come on. Man, I'm so grateful. God loves you. Everybody say own it. Everybody say receive. you got to learn to receive. All right, here it is. Third and final thing. we got to learn and we got to let it go. Let me tell you, whether your issue was a sin or whether your issue was a circumstantial failure, Again, like I said, whether you fail because of sin or whether you fail because of circumstances, the impact and fallout are the same because they both impact base level emotions of disappointment. Yeah. You've got to learn from it. If you're still grieving and feeling sorry over a failure or disappointment from years ago, I believe you need to come to a place of release. Um, You have to make a decision. You and I have got to make a decision. We've owned it. We can receive the love of God. But we can't keep paying for our failures over and over and over and over. We bring it to God and we rightly and appropriately bring it to those that we may have harmed, injured, or sinned against. But then at that point, you've got to learn to move on. I don't care how hard it is. By the grace of God, you can do it. I've got to move on with my life. You've got to move on with your life. We've got a future in God. Got a hope in God. So I had a guy come one time, and I never forget. I was talking to him, and he was just beating himself over and over and over and over. And I and I just remember preaching to him over and over. And I said, "You listen, failure for you is not final. It's not final for us. You're not defined by a mistake. Quit doing that. Quit labeling yourself something that God doesn't label. Stop that." You're chosen by God. You're called by God. You're marked by God. And God can, yeah, but Pastor, you don't know. I did something you didn't do. And I said, let me tell you something. God didn't create that, God didn't cause it. This is crazy, but I'll say it. But God can still somehow, in some way, turn all of that around for your good and his glory. Listen to me closely. I'm telling you, I believe that. Somebody told me this once good. Steve, I just feel like you just feel like everything can turn around good. Yep, that's called the Bible. Romans 8.28. Y'all want to read it? Come on. It's my favorite scripture in the whole Bible. For God causes all things. Everybody say all things. God all things. That's one of my favorite scriptures. Ephesians 3.20. Romans 8.20. All things. All things. All things. All things work together for good. All things work together for good. How many of y'all love God? Come on. Raise your hand if you love God. Okay. This scripture applies to you. The Bible says God can do. Look at. He can turn all things. All things. Even our poor decisions. If, if, we, if we'll stake just... God, I need you in my life. Stay humble and dependent upon God. God can turn it around for our good and his glory. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but rises again. But the wicked shall fall by calamity. listen, Listen to me. By the grace of God, God wants to pick you up. God wants to pick you up. There's a future in God for your life. I want to say this again. Failure is not final in the kingdom of God for your life. Failure is not final. Don't let your past mistakes define you. Let God's word define you. You're called of God, chosen of God, anointed of God, accepted by God, loved by God. That's what God says about you. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I just sense the Holy Spirit right now. At all of our campuses, I want everybody to look at me. Our campus pastors can come on stage. All those that are joining us online, Facebook, YouTube, all of that. I want everybody to look right at me. I sense the Holy Spirit in such a strong way right now. Maybe you've come to this place and you're not where you need to be with God. And the truth is you've never received the grace of God just in your beginning part of walking with Jesus, just salvation itself. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Don't ever let a preacher, a priest, or anybody tell you that they can save you. They can't save I can't save you. But i tell you what I can do. I can point you to the one who saves. His name is Jesus, who loves you and died for you. A church can't save you. Your uncle being a preacher can't save you. Jesus saves. My question is, do you know the Lord? Do you know Jesus? The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm I'm making a decision to follow Jesus. and, And I want to call out to Jesus right now. If that's you with a show of hands at the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to hold it up high. Would you do that? And then we're going to all pray together. Say, Pastor, I need prayer. I want to surrender my heart to Christ. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can see it, so I can pray for you. So anybody say, Pastor, I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship. God bless you guys right there. God bless you, sir, right there. Anybody else? Pastor, God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am, right there. God bless you, buddy. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am, as well. God bless you, sir, up top. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship. God bless you, buddy. I believe that God brought you here today. He loves you. He cares about you. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, church, let's pray. Come on. Let's pray with those that are trusting Jesus. This is the most important prayer they'll ever pray. Let's pray it together with them. Can we do that? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit, the word of the living God, taking root deep, deep, deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I want everybody to look at me. Give me 30 seconds at all of our campuses. If you prayed and trusted Christ as your Savior, and those that are online, I want you to let your online hosts know, but I'm gonna ask you to take, there's a card behind your chair called decision card. I'm gonna ask you to fill out some information, and here's what you do with it. We've made it really easy at the church. Now that we're doing our offering on the way out, three things actually you can do. Number one, you can drop this card on the way out. Real simple, just walk out. We wanna send you a letter. Uh, and just tell you what it means to serve the Lord on a daily basis. Number two, you can put your guest card in the buckets and, of course, your tithes and offerings. I want everybody to stand. How many of y'all enjoyed that message today? Come on. We have a future in God. We have a future. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the grace of God. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit resting upon every man, woman, boy, and girl. God, you are for us and not against us. Your hand is upon us. God, we love you and we thank you. I declare favor upon your life. Every single man, woman, boy, and girl. The Bible says, may the favor of the Lord surround you like a shield. Psalms 512, in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said, Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, let's bless the Lord. We love you guys, God bless you, we'll see you next week. You know, we've all faced failure at some point in our lives, but I'm so thankful we can always go back to God no matter what we've done because of his incredible love for us. You know, Missy, that's so true. And I'll tell you what, I'm thankful for another chance in my relationship with God. And I know this message spoke to me as I'm sure it spoke to many of you today. And I want to make sure if you'd like prayer for anything related to this message, or maybe there's something else that you're walking through in life right now, please let our online host know because they'd love to join with you and encourage you in a time of prayer. You can also let us know you'd like us to pray for you by texting the word CONNECT to 822-822. Our prayer team will be praying with you throughout the week. Remember, we're a family here at Church of the King and we want to make sure that we are here for you to pray with you, encourage you, and help you on your journey. Well, as we wrap up today, I just want to say have a great week, church family. And if you need anything from us this week, please reach out to us anytime by emailing us at online at churchoftheking.com. Once again, have a great week. We can't wait to see you soon.